Taking off in five, four, three, two. Yo, 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 yo. This your boy T.O. as you know. It's your boy O-Rain, real name, no games, no gimmicks. Yo, it's the motherfucking Fade Podcast, the one-stop shop for everything TV, media, and firm related, along with any of the goddamn thing we want to talk about, coming to you live, direct, still in quarantine land, 2020. Still. <laughs> Yo, what's going on with you, man? I'm surviving, man. Like, I, like I've said in previous shows, I was built for quarantine. Uh, I don't mind sleeping in until like noon, watching a lot of TV. Not being productive. I will, you know, <laughs> I might go for a jog, get a little bit of studying done, but that's good enough for me. <laughs> um, I, th- I think we're in this thing for another four weeks. You think only? Only four weeks? Four to 12. <laughs> <laughs> and when you so think about it, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. 12 weeks is like three months, right? So yeah. it's a huge window. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anywho, um, you know, we're, we're we're coming to you on this glorious Mother's Day. Uh, day yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, uh, you know, uh, today, you know, obviously it's Mother's Day and it's, you know, it's great. You know, I hope everybody, you know, did some wonderful things for <laughs> your mother. You know, although, you know, I guess there's only so much you can do if you're not, you know, essentially in the uh, the same household. But uh it was very interesting. I got I got my mother's day off to a very auspicious. Uh, is it auspicious? Is that I don't know if I said that right. Um, yeah, I think that's the uh, the, the enunciation <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, a, a very weird start, uh, but uh, but yeah, I'll let you say something about Mother's Day if you want to before I uh, wait. Why? What happened? You can't you can't tell like part of the story <laughs> and then not finish. Like what happened? So, like, part of the issue is is that it's not just about Mother's Day. It's about uh, sending me- text messages to people and text messages mm-hmm. going to the wrong person. Um, so, <laughs> so my mom yesterday, uh, she sends me this. Um, she sends me this really like you know really uh, cute text like. You know, she's like, oh, I just woke up and, you know, you were the first thing that was on my mind. I'm so grateful that you're my son. I love you. Appreciate you. And I was like, oh, and I, and I look. Uh, I was for your is, brother. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, not, not for my brother. But. Okay. Uh, <laughs> although that would have been hilarious. And she was like, oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> wrong person. Right. <laughs> um. So, uh, so. You know, and I think we talked about this a little bit, uh, maybe before we recorded last week, but we talked about the whole idea of what you call your mother. And ever since I was a kid with my entire family, it's always been mommy, right? We we never address her as mom. That would feel weird at this point to address her as mom. So we address her as mommy, uh, which, you know, said in the wrong context can sound stupid uh, and childish, um, which I realize, which is I, I never say it in anybody else's presence outside of like my immediate family. Um, yeah. And so I, I send her a text back like, Oh, thanks mommy. M- much appreciated. Uh, love you too. 
Uh, and I'll try to do something tomorrow for uh, get like a video chat going with the whole family tomorrow for Mother's Day. Uh, fire the text off, feeling good, you know. Then realize, yeah, that went to the wrong person. Text went to uh, who? <laughs> who did it go to? So it it went to a coworker, like, like, like your boss or something. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, not my boss, but uh, somebody who I work with. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't think she she thought anything of it, but. I, I, I immediately followed up with super embarrassing. Wasn't that last message wasn't meant for you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm just hoping that I don't get an HR, you know, complaint about, you know, me <laughs> calling coworkers mommy, you know? Uh, he so, said yeah. he loves me. And now I just feel uncomfortable at work. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're working yeah. from home, I still feel uncomfortable at work. Um, I feel like he's the- looking at me or something. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable on our Zoom calls anymore. Uh, what is the, like, all right, so outside of this particular situation, has that ever happened to you before? And what was the context of the situation? Uh, I don't think I've ever been in too many scenarios where it was like truly like embarrassing, embarrassing, like, or like, holy shit, like we're in a cold red situation. I don't think I've ever really been in one of those. Um, but I have sent like emails off that like say like you know was talking like dirty about somebody but it was like mm-hmm. sent to the entire like you know company or like whatever like yeah fuck this person and then like yeah. it went to everybody <laughs> like i have had those situations but i think everybody was in line of fuck that person so it didn't really matter <laughs> it was all good <laughs> okay. i've definitely uh, i've definitely had it. this was super embarrassing um, this was years ago. I was probably like 21, 22. And I think I was going through like some type of argument, potential breakup situation with like my girlfriend at the time. So, you know, I typed up this long ass text message and it was like, um, you know, just like saying like, like either emotional things or like, you know, relationship things, maybe some like insults you know here you know like when you're going through a breakup the shit you say right and i sent and i was an intern at the time and i sent it to like not my boss but someone that i was like working with um but definitely someone who i was working underneath so i sent it to him and then as soon as i hit send i looked back and i'm like holy shit I sent that to Sam, not the person who I meant to send it, send it to. And like I said, when I tell you it was long and it was like very, you know, like detailed, uh, I was like, I was so fucking embarrassed. And then I had to go and like, I think I sent it on my lunch break. Right. So then I had to go back to the office and like sit at my desk and his desk was like on the opposite wall of my desk. And I just had to be like, Hey Sam, um, you know that wasn't meant for you. You know me and my girl, we're like, we know we're arguing. Sorry about that. And he was like, "Oh, no problem." You know, I read the first sentence and I realized it wasn't for me, so I didn't read it all. And but you know, you know, they read the whole thing and they shared it with at least three other people. Um, So yeah, man, that was like super embarrassing. But I've never, luckily, I've never done anything crazy like like send dick pics or whatever to like random people. Never, never, yeah, never got that I mean, that's crazy. What, yeah. That's why it's always good just to stay away from the whole dick pic phenomenon. Uh, you, you never that's know when you, when you hit that send button, 
you never really know what living is until you hit that send button and you're like, I'm not sure who that went to. Yeah. But I hope it doesn't end in the wrong hands. <laughs> and if you're sending any pictures like those anyway, like you use Snapchat, like that's what it's for. It's there for seven seconds, then it disappears. <laughs> um, so if any of our listeners are interested in sending any nudes uh, at O-Rain, that's O-H-H-H <laughs> underscore dot. No, no dot. Yeah. Just Rain, R-A-I-N. <laughs> On Snapchat, send it to me. Yeah, just uh, just. I forgot my username uh, there. Be careful. Be careful who you might receive messages from. Just remember that's that's a dangerous proposition. So yeah, that is true. (laughs) So (laughs) want to take my chances. (laughs) All right. So uh, with all that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and jump into our uh, first. Uh, first, uh, first thing here. So, of course, we're we're gonna uh, jump into uh, streaming. Uh, we're gonna talk about what's coming out uh, on, on streaming this particular week. Uh, so let's uh, just jump it off with uh, HBO. So we've got uh, I know this much is true, which is a uh, a Mark Ruffalo led. I believe it's a series uh, that um, that uh, the uh, that's coming out uh, this week or premiering this week, uh, in which he plays, I think, a twin or or both yep. twins, um, and he uh, one of them is I think is having some mental health issues, and the other one is essentially trying to sort of like help with uh, with that. Uh, so he, he plays both characters, um, and also uh, in a kind of a throwback pick, uh, we have Joker coming out uh, this particular week on HBO, uh, which uh, Joker was a fucking phenomenal film for 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 those who you know didn't get the chance to go see it. Go see it. Uh, it's it's certainly worth the the price of admission um, to to see the film. And now you certainly can on HBO. Um, for Hulu, we don't actually have anything this week coming out on Hulu outside of uh, they're doing a whole bunch of shows that are premiering. Um, uh, but they're, they're not like Hulu, excuse me, they're not like Hulu original films. They're, you know, from ABC, Fox, whatever. Um, so it's not necessarily worth talking too much about that. Uh, so we'll move right along to Amazon prime. Uh, this week uh, we have Seaberg, uh, coming out, uh, which stars, um, uh, oh God, now I'm going to forget her name now that I'm actually trying to remember it. Um, Who's the girl that you? Kristen Stewart um, is the uh, the the girl that, uh, <laughs> who I hate. Yeah, uh, th- there are a lot of them, but uh, but yeah, Kristen Stewart takes the. Uh, takes no, the no, it's mostly the... just Brie Larson, Ellen Page, and Kristen Stewart. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, so uh, so I believe uh, she's starring as uh, Jean uh, Seberg. I believe. Um, uh, Unless I'm mistaken about that, uh, let me just read the quick synopsis while I even have it up. Uh, inspired by real uh, real events in life of French New Wave icon Jean Seberg in the late 1960s, Hoover's FBI targeted her because of her political romantic and romantic involvement uh, with civil rights uh, activist Hakeem Jamal. Um, so, uh, so apparently, this is this is supposed to be really good. Uh, it came out, uh, you know, or at least it was showing at festivals, uh, you know, and uh, there was a there was a little bit of buzz uh, around the film, at least as far as I remember. Uh, either way, let's uh, let's move on to Netflix. Uh, we have uh, Border Town season three. Uh, then we have Have a Good Trip: uh, Adventures in Psychedelics, which looks wild, by the way. I don't know if you saw the uh, the sort of the, the trailers for that. Um, 
And then we have Trial by Media, uh, which is a documentary. Then we have uh, True Terrific Tales. Uh, and then we have uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, Kimmy versus uh, the Reverend, which is supposed to be sort of like an interactive special. Uh, I don't know if you remember um, the, uh, the um, I think it was, Black uh, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, I believe was the, was the name of it, where it's like this interactive thing where you could essentially choose your own yeah. adventure. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. They've, had, they've got several interactive things on uh, Netflix, like the Bear Grylls uh, show that was interactive as well. You remember that one? It was like Bear Grylls, like Man versus Wild or something. Yeah, or I, I, I never... Something like Man versus Wild. Yeah, I, I, never, uh, I never watched it myself, but uh, but I know... You know, it was a thing. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about them. Uh, I, I don't think I really because, like, so for instance, uh, with the Bandersnatch episode, uh, it was it was kind of difficult to like. It, there there would be some times where they would force you down certain avenues, and it's like, well, why are you giving me the illusion of choice here? Like, this isn't like. Like they would just like lead you into this circular circular pattern where like no matter what you do you arrive at the same sort of like thing. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they just need to work out the uh, the, the bugs in it. Um, but I appreciate the the innovative uh, you know attempt nonetheless though. Yeah, definitely innovative. Um, but when I'm watching a show, like I'm doing it mostly because I want to not have to think. I just want to be lazy. Um, so what I don't want to do is be involved in the production of the thing that I'm watching. I don't have to make decisions like I'm on set knowing I'm not getting paid for it. Fuck that. Um, but yeah, very innovative. I like the idea. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, moving forward here, we have uh, The Wrong Missy. Uh, which is a film. We have uh, Chipatos, Chichipatos. Um, I believe that's the way that's pronounced. Chipatos. Uh, not that's you, you missed uh, first uh, Chi there. Nope. Um, Chichipatos. Then, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and then we have. Uh, yeah, dude, you got to download. You got to download Duolingo. I already have it. It's not working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we have I Love You Stupid. Uh, which is again another uh, Netflix film. We have Inhuman Resources, uh, Magic uh, of Humans, season three, uh, She-Ra and the Princess uh, Princesses of Power, season five, White Lines, and then La Reina de Indias y el Conquistador. There we go. Uh, and that uh, is something with the. What does that mean? Uh, you've got the fuck out of me. I have no idea. I, I gotta, I gotta put that into, uh, Google translate in order to, uh, <laughs> the to, only part I to, got was conquistador. That's like with the conquistador. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty much everything coming out on, uh, streaming this particular day. Um, all right. So with all that being said, let's, uh, let's jump into, um, our first uh, sort of story here, uh, and it's a trailer, actually. Uh, we, we got this week the trailer um, for Space Force, uh, which, uh, for those who don't know, uh, it is a show, uh, it's a workplace comedy uh, series that centers on a group of people who are tasked with establishing the sixth branch of the United States uh, Armed Forces. 
uh, the United States Space Force. Uh, and the uh, series is created by Greg Daniels and Steve Carell, who are of uh, the Office fame. Uh, and uh, the, there are many different writers, but uh, who is sort of the common thread was uh, Greg Daniels for the show. And this uh, stars uh, Steve Carell, Owen Daniels, uh, Tawny Newsom, and uh, John Malkovich, and is uh, due out um, uh, May 29th, I believe. Uh, yep. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So what do you, what do you think of the, uh, the first trailer for uh, space force? First trailer was good. It was really good. Uh, the first trailer for me kind of like ignited the, the, that bit of interest. Um, I mean, you get introduced to the cast of the show, which includes uh, Steve Corral, Jane Lynch, John Malkovich, uh, Lisa Kudrow, just to name a few uh, already shaping up to be like a phenomenal cast. Um, the premise of the show in itself is very interesting. And this first trailer, it was funny. It was intriguing. Um, Steve Corral. It looks like we're, we're getting uh, not necessarily um, Michael Scott, but like that style of like quirkiness and comedy. Um, I really like it. I think this first trailer was, was well executed. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really well done too. Uh, the only thing that, that kind of jumped off the page to me was that, um, I, I, I think I don't, I don't want to, I'm clearly not going to try to say that they rushed to do this. You know, I think they, they, you know, clearly took their time and they, I'm sure produced a very quality show. The only thing I'm hoping though, is, is that they don't try to do essentially like the office in the Pentagon. If that, does that make sense? Like, you know, because that, that would feel like, nah, at that point, just give me the office. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really need to see all these new people and new scenarios. Nah, just give me the fucking office and, and we'll go from there. Um, and obviously it's the creators of the show, um, of the office who, you know, uh, or the people who, who at least were, you know, major parts of the show that, uh, that, that are, you know, doing this. So, you know, it, it stands to reason that, you know, they're going to borrow heavily from that, you know, kind of style of comedy and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't want an office rehash because, you know, the office itself is is, is great enough as, as you know, and, and everybody knows that by the fact that everybody still watches it even to this day, even though it, you know, the, the last episode came out, what, six or seven years ago or whenever was the, uh, the, the series finale. For it's the been office. a minute. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I thought this was good though. Uh, and I, and I, I love the cast, you know, I love, uh, you know, obviously Steve Carell, Lisa Kudrow, um, uh, it also has a uh, John Malkovich in it. Um, all people who, you know, can more than hold their weight when it comes to, uh, uh to, to comedic delivery. Um, and weirdly enough, I, I think Lisa Kudrow in, in the post friends era, I think she's probably my favorite person to come out of friends. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, you can make the argument for, but you know, uh, I think everybody, she's not necessarily my favorite uh, when it comes to to the Friends cast. Um, but I think Lucy Kudrow has done some of the work that is just like, holy shit, okay, like that that was really, really good. And she's kind of coming to her own um, compared to like maybe like uh, Matt LeBlanc or Matthew uh, Perry. Uh, is that, that's his name, right? Matthew Perry, the dude from Friends. Yeah, no, and, um, yeah. And, I, and I agree with that too. I think Lisa Kudrow, she's done... Uh, she's done some really good projects and she's mm. um, not, ne- and she's not necessarily followed like a chord where she's always doing like the same type of work. Like she's a funny 
quirky person. So she plays those types of characters because I think it just fits with her personality. But she's managed to put together like really good bodies of work in film and on TV since Friends. Um, interestingly enough that you mentioned Friends, uh, obviously there was a Friends reunion. I believe it was a movie or just like a full length episode that was um, – supposed to go into production before the whole coronavirus thing. And obviously that has since halted, but you know, you mentioned it before some of the other people from friends just have not uh, aged well in Hollywood. If that makes sense. Like Matthew Perry, uh, I think he did really well, like in the first few years, like when friends was done, he like ventured into film. He made a couple good movies. Uh, Matt LeBlanc, He's had a few, he's had like four different TV shows on like HBO and on ABC or NBC or one of those. Um, I do really like Courtney Cox. I like all the, like a lot of the projects she's been a part of. Uh, the Scream films, uh, Paparazzi, which was a TV series on FX. Jennifer Anderson, we know what she's been up to. Um, but yeah, I, I think Lisa Kudrow is definitely like next to Jennifer Aniston. She's been like the, the hardest working one. Yeah, and you know who we completely yeah. just um, shitted on and forgot about just now? David Schwimmer. Uh, David Schwimmer. <laughs> Why did we forget about him? So fucked up. Uh, yeah, it's all right. Uh, he, he only, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had a couple of projects like the the People vs OJ Simpson, um, and then I think there's like maybe yeah. one or two others that were like super notable. And I'm not trying to shit on him at all. It's just, you know, like, again, Lisa Kudrow is like my, okay, like, I, I appreciate all the work she's done, or most of the work she's done since, uh, or post-Friends. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Space Force, again, coming out uh, May 29th of, uh, uh, of this, uh, you know, of this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, there's been a lot of hype around it and a lot of speculation as far as, like, how it's going to go. And I even love the, uh, at the end of the trailer, they, they do the... Uh, um, is it the Copacabana song or what song is it at the, uh, the end? I can't, um, I can't remember at the, this. It might be, it's not the Pina Colada song. It's, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, you got me. It's it, like it's Jamaica, like the, uh, Bahama. Exactly. Yeah. Something. Ooh, I love no, you. Mama, mama, like pretty, I don't know. Mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's like, yeah. what is that Beach Boys song. I think. I think it's a Beach Boys song. Probably. Um, it, it shows you how much we know about literally anything. All right. Uh, I never listened so, to that shit anyway. <laughs> it wasn't shit. The Beach Boys. Well, I mean, they were all. No, it wasn't shit. It's, yeah. Shit is using being used as a general term here. <laughs> Non-descriptive. Uh, all right. It makes let's, sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's move on to uh to our our second um uh story uh so we got a trailer this week uh for the king of staten island um so let me give you the quick synopsis uh scott has been a uh a case has been a case of arrested development since his firefighter uh firefighter dad died uh he spends his days smoking weed and dreaming of being a tattoo artist until events force him to grapple with his grief and uh take his first step uh first steps uh forward in life this is directed by judd apatow and written by judd apatow as well as uh pete davidson and dave sirius and stars uh pete davidson of course uh, marissa tomei bill burr and uh bell pally who we'll all remember from the morning show i believe Unless I have that mistaken, right? She plays the uh, uh, you you know who it was uh, the and I forget her specific name on the show, but she who are we referring to? 
uh, Belle Powley. She uh, she plays the uh, the assistant. Uh, yes, yeah, she was in yeah, the, the morning, morning show. show. She, yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, so th- this film is due out June twelfth uh, of this year, and will actually debut directly on digital rentals. Uh, rental services, uh, you know, and I'm sure that's going to include pretty much everything like, you know, whether it's YouTube or uh, on, um, I don't know, whatever cable provider you have, or I don't know, whatever. It'll be on yeah. digital rentals uh, through all the places where you can find digital rentals. Um, AMC is going to be pissed. AMC is going to be pissed. Why is AMC going to be pissed? Remember how AMC got pissed at Universal for uh, oh, oh, featuring yeah, yeah. AMC's gonna be like, we're not showing any more Judd Apatow films. They're just gonna start not showing <laughs> movies by like select groups or uh, yeah. uh, select like production companies or groups of people until well, they're not gonna show anything in theaters anymore. <laughs> well, so I, I think I think they were more pissed, and uh, I think they were pissed because like uh, that. I think you they were perceiving Universal as trying to like you know have their cake and eat it too, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, of trying to uh, trying to show their movies in theaters, but also release them on demand as well. And I think that's the part that he objected to, that they're like, nah, nah, nigga, you got to <laughs> pick one lane or the other. No, uh, but not, no, no, no doubling up. AMC got to keep that same energy for anybody else who goes straight VOD. You know what I mean? So now they got to stop showing all Pete Davidson films, all Steve <laughs> Buscemi films. I gotta yeah. keep that energy. Yeah, um, well, so no, well, but this this film here, King of Staten Island. Um, I, I just watched the trailer just a few minutes ago. Uh, another phenomenal collection of talent. Um, I mean, Marissa Tomei again, uh, Bell Pow- uh, Bell Powley, who we saw in um, uh, shit. What was that show we were just talking about? The morning show. <laughs> the morning show. Yeah, with Steve Carell. I think she had a great performance in that show. So I'm um, interested to see her in this film. Uh, but you know, some of the some of the greats like Steve Buscemi. Fucking love Steve Buscemi. We remember him from I believe he was in Armageddon. Um, just to name a few films, or just to name like one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Reservoir Dogs, Fargo, um, and a bunch of other really great films that I love. Steve ba- Steve. Pete Davidson, I think he's been on a roll lately. Um, if you haven't seen his Netflix stand-up special, I highly recommend that. Um, we've also got Bill Burr, who he, Bill Burr's just—he's like one of my favorite comedians of all time. He's fucking funny. Um, he doesn't do too many movies, but whenever he does movies, he always plays like these characters who seem so far removed from how he is in real life or in his stand-up comedy. Um, so I, I like what I'm seeing here from Bill Burr in this film. Uh, lastly, Machine Gun Kelly is in this movie. Um, so again, this cast just looks great. Looks looks like a good film too. Yeah. When this comes out, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks like a great cast and it just looks like a, you know, pretty, you know, uh, and and Judd Apatow like rarely I think I, I think he rarely misses you know he's one of those directors that you know whatever he puts out it's it's going to hit with somebody and it's going to make some money you know uh, with whatever he does but the thing that I'm kind of worried about uh, you know after watching the trailer is you know I'm hoping that Pete Davidson doesn't get or maybe maybe he does maybe this is a case where an actor doesn't actually mind being typecasted because uh it turns out that you know the, the contents of this particular film is actually really heavily based off of 
Pete Davidson's own life, that his his father was a firefighter who actually died uh, on 9-11. And, uh, and weirdly enough, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, or I guess it's rumored that he was a, vo- a volunteer firefighter um, who was helping with the rescue uh, on 9-11. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't know what all the details about that are, um, but, uh, but that's, that's word on the street, as they say. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, you know, so I know that clearly this film means a lot to, uh, to Pete Davidson because it's basically based on, it's a, you know, it's semi sort of biographical, biographical, uh, film, uh, that, that has to do with, uh, with, with a lot of the contents of his life, but I hope he doesn't get typecast, uh, into just that role of the stoner person who, you know, oh man, he just needs to like, you know, get up, grow up and get a job and do this. Yeah. Um, because he, he just had a film and I forget the, uh, the name of it now, but, uh, just came out uh, recently. Big time uh, adolescence. Big time big adolescence. Big time Where he, yeah. It, and it, it sort of is the same kind of scenario where, you know, he's kind of a cut up in that too, you know, and a uh, person who smokes weed and does all this, which is, you know, I'm sure that's not far from, or that, that's exactly who, you know, at least, at least what he projects to the world, uh, you know, I'm talking about Pete Davidson, that's what he projects to the world, um, you know, at face value. Um but uh, but yeah, I, I just would like to see him kind of spread his wings a little bit and, and do some different things, whether it is within the comedy realm or, or, or you know, otherwise. Uh, I just want to see him do some stuff that isn't so reliant on him being this sort of like stoner, cut up, loser. Who, oh, man, he needs to grow up and, you know, get a job and figure things out. And it's just like, all right, well, we, we, we've been there, done that. You know, what else you got for me? Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. Um, but again, this, uh, the, this particular film, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Um, you were going to say this film is going to premiere on, uh, I believe it was June 12th. Yeah. On June 12th, uh, 12th, uh, and is available on, you know, I'm assuming wherever the fuck you find, you know, um, on demand rentals videos on demand. <laughs> no, yeah. but what, what I was going to say is that I think P Davidson, um, I think he, he fits into this type of role. Like, you know, the, the, the you know the adult who just can't seem to grow up uh, you know the stoner the loner he fits that but i from what i've seen from him over the past like year or two um i think he's able to both fit into that perfectly as well as um play other things in which you don't uh like other things that you don't really expect from him he's done a lot of animated movies uh he was in uh, what men want the movie with taraji p henson as well as um uh fuck who's that comedian guy black comedian guy he was in community oh um, i fucking know his name donald glover no 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 not donald glover tracy morgan so he was in what men want with tracy morgan played something like not necessarily this type of character that we're seeing here in big time adolescence um or in uh, king of staten island so again i think he really does fit perfectly into one role but he's able to branch out and play other things too so i, I I don't have any concerns for him. I don't think he's going to get typecasted. Um, he just is that like s- that smoker who has this like weird style of comedy. He also looks the part too. Um, so no, I, I've liked what I've seen from Pete Davidson lately. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's move on to our uh, third story here. Uh, and so. Um, th- you know, this past Monday uh, was May the 4th. And uh, of course, to Star Wars fanatics, uh, that is a day of importance because uh, it is uh, uh, May the 4th be with you day. 
uh, which I don't, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't really understand it, but, uh, I don't know if it's official star Wars day or if it's just, uh, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> that is exactly. Um, but, um, but it was announced, uh, usually, and they, I think they historically try to use the day to like, you know, do, um, uh, a lot of announcements and things like that surrounding, um, star Wars. But uh, it's um, Lucasfilms, and this comes uh, by way of an article from Yahoo, um, Lucasfilms celebrated Star Wars uh, Day on Monday by announcing that uh, Taika Waititi uh, will be the director uh, of a new Star Wars film. Um, and for those who don't aren't familiar with uh, Taika, he... Um, and I'm saying Taika as if I know him as like, you know, as if we, we go way, way, way back. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, he uh, he directed such films as uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, more you know uh, more recently Jojo Rabbit, uh, which was a weird, crazy uh, film um, about uh, about Hitler being <laughs> being the figment of a you know I think it was a ten year old or eleven year old whatever however old he was uh, his imagination, um, and it's like the satirical version of of, of Hitler. Um, so yeah, very. very oddball director but I, I actually do love his work um I, I, I think he's done a lot of great things um and uh, it turns out that ytt uh this isn't his first uh sort of foray into the star wars uh star wars world uh he he actually directed the um uh or he voiced the ig11 on the first season of the mandalorian and he also directed um the show's season finale um, uh, as well. So, you know, he's not unfamiliar with the, uh, the, the star Wars, uh, universe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, what do you, what do you think about this? Uh, do you, for one, do you think he's a good fit for, you know, uh, a star Wars film? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he has the quirkiness, um, and like the imaginative, uh, if you look at his body of work, it's been quite, very imaginative, right? And he's not uh, a novice in the Star Wars universe. Um, so, I, and he's also a very talented director. So, I think he can both um, pull it off as well as like maybe add some elements, you know, his own quirkiness and his own elements of storytelling to this uh, new Star Wars film, whatever the story may be. Um, yeah. This has been in, in conversation for a while that Taika Waititi would do a Star Wars project. Um, so I think this announcement was, it was kind of like everybody saw it coming. Um, but why not just wait and officially announce it on um, Star Wars Day? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it would be hard for him, someone of his talent. And, you know, based off of the projects we've seen from him before, I think it would be hard for him to fuck this up. Um, but the expectations are always high whenever you do a Star Wars project, right? People are expecting uh, you to go further, to go beyond, to go bigger. Um, so he's and, and then when you look at the last Star Wars film, uh, what was it called? Like the the Rise of Rise of uh, Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Yep. Um, that was a phenomenal film. So he's going to have to top that, which is a tall order. Yeah, a, a lot of people wouldn't, uh, a lot of people wouldn't, uh, or at least diehard Star Wars fans would not agree with you. Uh, I was so, you know, it, it was so puzzling to, uh, to see that, uh, that a lot of diehard Star Wars fans, you know, they hate uh, the Rise of Skywalker, which I I thought it was absolutely fun. You know, I thought it was a great film, um, but uh, but they, they, there's like tons of videos and tons of analysis where they break down why it doesn't all make sense and yada yada. Um, but uh, but you know, I I think that of 
of the people to direct a new Star Wars film. I think he's a really interesting choice for it um, because of his style. You know, he, he has this really offbeat, quirky sort of, you know, look what he did to uh, the Thor franchise, right? That Thor uh, was sort of this kind of stiff and non-comedic sort of character. Um, and then, you know, after Thor Ragnarok, it's like he's just making jokes left and right, you know, and, he, and he's kind of kept that going through Infinity War, Endgame, uh, and I'm sure following up with, um, I, Taika, I believe, is working on the fourth Thor movie, which is a fourth, uh, or Thor, uh, Love Thunder and Thunder. Love, uh, unless, or yeah. Love and Thunder, yeah. Uh, one of those two. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, you know, I kind of look at, like, who is in best position to sort of handle the pressure of um, creating another Star Wars film, especially after, you know, uh, the, the, the trilogy we just got was criticized so much. And I think that he, he fits the bill, uh, uh, as somebody who can handle that pressure and also kind of not give a fuck, you know, cause it was, it was really kind of ballsy of him to take Thor's character where he took him with, um, with Ragnarok because, you know, we didn't, you know, there was no guarantee that that was going to be an accepted version of Thor. And yet it was, you know, widely, um, and so I think he, he has the mix of, uh, you know, providing some fresh blood into a, a franchise. Um, but then also having the, uh, I mean, I made what I made. I'm not going to apologize for it, uh, kind of, uh, vibe. So I think, uh, I look forward to what it is. I'm not sure if fans are going to be, you know, super <laughs> welcoming to it, especially like diehard Star Wars fans. But uh, we'll see sort of like how, how all that sort of plays out. It's going to be very interesting no matter what happens. Well, what I've seen from Star Wars fans mostly is that they don't know what they want. You know, uh, they, <laughs> they don't want the story to end. They don't want it to continue. They don't want new stories to be told. They want to hear and see fresh new projects. Uh, they want the character to live and die. So <laughs> they just, they're just going to have to accept what they get. Um, and again, to your point, I think if you look at, if you're going to bring someone into a project, like a new director, um, uh, if you look at the, and there's so many great directors and writers and producers out there, but if you're going to bring in someone, or if you want to bring in someone with a fresh new take um, with, you know, a different perspective, someone who's been very successful at uh, recent projects, you know, you look at uh, the final episode of the Mandalorian. Great. Um, Thor Ragnarok. In my opinion, that was the best Thor film. Uh, fantastic. Jojo Rabbit, very bold, very daring. Um, that's a director who doesn't really care too much about public opinion. It was just going to make uh, the, the project that they want to make. So uh, if you're going to make a new Star Wars film, you bring in a guy like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think he, he, he is the person to, uh, to do the job. Uh out of curiosity though, like, and I, and I know they're, they're still working on like tons of other, like, you know, Star Wars projects and, and stuff at this point. Are you yourself like looking forward to any, you know, like actually looking forward to the Star Wars, any, anything new coming for Star Wars or are you just kind of like, eh, fuck it. Whatever. I mean, if it's there, you know, if it's on the menu, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I'll order it. Uh, but I'm not going to that Star Wars restaurant, you know, for that, meal in particular um but if i just so happen to you know be there and it's on the menu happy hour i'll try it uh, i am looking for the mandalorian season two though that is the only really star wars thing that i am like specifically looking for and i'll like go to wherever i need to go to find that 
Yeah, uh, me not so much. I didn't even finish the Mandalorian, but I, I will try to finish it sometime soon. Um, but first, I got to get my Disney Plus account back, which I definitely let expire because <laughs> didn't need it. See, I bought it um, for the year. Yeah, yeah, they got you. Uh, they they saw that sucker coming. They're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and get it on. Let's sixty nine get locked in for that year. <laughs> Before the coronavirus, sixty nine ninety nine was nothing. <laughs> After you're asking for all sorts Fuck. of refunds. <laughs> yeah, can I have that money back? <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's press forward here uh, with uh, uh, another story. Uh, one that I am actually sure um that uh that that you'll enjoy um mm-hmm. but uh yeah oh whoops man i can't get my my story straight here there we go there we have it all right uh let's talk about uh an interesting story uh it just you know it just broke uh in this particular you know these notes that were, were you know that i'm going to be saying here are from um Rolling Stone. Um, but it turns out that our resident, um, you know, uh, th- uh, thespian, uh, uh, the, the one, the only, the incomparable Nicolas Cage will indeed be playing the Tiger King himself, Joe Exotic. Oh my God. Everybody, uh, people are losing their mind. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got, we've got air horns going on. Um, you know, uh, 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 new, new, uh, new cloth alert. What is it? What does DJ Khaled say? Yeah, special uh, uh, special <laughs> cloth alert. <laughs> I so want to steal that. That's so. Yeah, just steal it. It's fine. Yeah, nobody's. You know, nobody's gonna sue you unless it's DJ Khaled eventually. Um, he might. But uh, <laughs> yeah, especially if this uh, coronavirus lasts any longer, he'll, he'll definitely start suing everybody for that uh, for his sayings. Um, but uh, but yeah, news just broke this past week that we you know we're, we're getting uh, Nicolas Cage uh, as Joe Exotic uh, in a scripted series about the uh, the over the top roadside zookeeper uh, at the center of the Netflix docu series Tiger King. Um, Rolling Stone confirmed um, the eight episode series is based on uh, not on the docu series but uh, Leaf uh, Registads. Uh, June 20, uh, 2019, Texas Monthly article, uh, Joe Exotic, A Dark Journey into the World uh, of a Man Gone Wild. Uh, CBS Television, which is uh, producing the series with uh, Imagine Television, optioned the rights uh, to the article back in 2019. Um so basically, this is going to set around uh, basically Joe Exotic, um, you know, uh, you know, with him being, you know, the eccentric uh, zookeeper that he is, uh, or at least was. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's about his fight to keep his park even at the risk of losing his sanity. Uh, the series will uh, live in the lion's den with Joe, explore how he became Joe Exotic and how he lost himself uh, to uh, to a character of his own creation. Um, so, uh, so interesting enough, when I was looking this up <clears throat> or, or looking for stuff for, for this, and I was looking for to do some B roll, I found this fucking uh, uh, Joe Exotic. Uh yeah, uh, Nicholas Cage deep fake, and I was like, holy shit! Like this deep fake shit is getting out of control. Like <laughs> because they don't even need to do a series. This is <laughs> like just slap Nicholas Cage's face on, uh, you know, uh, on the Netflix show, and you've got yourself a fucking you know uh, uh, Joe Exotic uh, Nicholas Cage mashup. You know that uh, that I'm sure everybody's uh, dying for. But uh, but yeah, what did you think of the news when you first heard? Um, I mean, who better to play? 
a uh, a wild, crazy, just you know, big personality, gay gun shooting uh, cowboy, uh, this eccentric character than Nicolas Cage, right? Because um, Nicolas Cage is a wild motherfucker in 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 and of himself. Um, he yeah. you're, like you're gonna need an actor who's just gonna go for it no matter what. Um, and who has both the I don't give a fuck enough attitude as well as, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call Nicolas Cage like a method actor, but when he gets into character, like he really dives into each character that he plays. Um, so I think he's the perfect guy for this particular role. And we know Nicolas Cage from films like Face Off, The Rock. Uh, we know him from, uh, what, what else did he do? The Treasure Hunt, right? Was that National Treasure, or National Treasure, yeah. Uh, also, Con National Air. Treasure, uh, Con Air, Vengeance. Uh, he's done some of my favorite movie. Uh, Gone in sixty seconds, which for me is like one of the one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, he so he's done some great projects uh, over the past, I would say, ten years or so. Nicholas Cage has definitely. Uh, he's had some money issues. So he's taken on some projects that most actors would have steered clear (laughs) from uh, just because it just wasn't a good look for the career uh, for the, you know, for your filmography. But Nicholas, Nicholas Cage has the acting ability and the talent to pull off a character like uh, Joe exotic. Uh, He has the, you know, the wild, crazy personality. He has the look to pull it off. I mean, this deep fake here is it's, it's almost spot on. So I'm excited for this dude. Yeah, this uh, I will watch. Not me. The Joe Exotic yeah. series, I didn't really care too much for, but this I will watch. Yeah, no, nah, I, I can uh, I can go ahead and miss this, and the reason why is because I, I feel like the Tiger King, <laughs> it, it's just like it, it's another one of these sort of like cultural phenomenons that's like oh my god, everybody's losing their shit about you know Tiger King, but it's like the actual material itself isn't really like that compelling or new like interesting um i mean it's interesting to the point of like you get to see sort of what happens when this uh this uh, gay zookeeper um kind of slowly but surely goes insane and like all the crazy shit that he ends up doing but like outside of that premise it's not really like i don't know the tiger king story itself it's not really like he's a dude who you know, like, so for instance, like if he wasn't one of those things, right? Like if he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't gay or if he wasn't a zookeeper, uh, uh, you know, owner, or, you know, I guess that's, you know, the reason why he's called a Tiger King, but like take any one of those elements away and like this immediately, or if he didn't dress the way that he did, right? Like say if he dressed like a normal person or, you know, and what's normal, but yeah, say if he didn't, he wasn't as, you know, exotic as he was, as far as his appearance, there's no way that everybody would be talking about Joe Exotic. And I think that when it comes to things like that, I just, I get tired of it very quickly. Like it, it gets exhausting talking about it. It gets exhausting watching it. Like, you know, I was sitting here watching the the, the series and it was kind of just like, yeah, whatever. So to see Nicolas Cage, you know, then step into the role, it's like, yo, by the time this thing comes out, nobody's going to care about this. I can guarantee you that nobody will care about so- the Tiger King by the time this comes out. So I agree with that. Like the, you know, and this has to be done timely, right? It has to come out soon. They've, uh, they've got to risk all health precautions. Fuck it. They got, they better start filming today. Okay. 
just everyone's got to take that chance um, because this is a timely thing. As you said, if this way, if this goes like a year, two years from now, I don't know if people are really going to care about the tiger King. Um, but as of right now, this he's so interesting because he has all of those elements, right? He's not just a zookeeper. He's a zookeeper of predominantly um, exotic wildcats, you know, tigers, right? He, uh, he has a fucking mullet who has a mullet. He dresses like most other people on the planet do not, right? Um, and like he's this gay gun owning, you know, wild motherfucker who doesn't, you know, he walks to the tune of his or the beat of his own drum, so to speak, right? Um, that's why he's so interesting. Yeah, the content is not necessarily rich, but he's interesting nonetheless. Uh, so if this project comes out in a timely manner, if Nicolas Cage executes it in the way that I think he can, I think this is going to be really interesting. Again, I didn't really have much of an interest in the series on Netflix, but the movie, I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, because, uh, you know, I think that there's a, there's a space where, you know, it, it, you know, just like I'm sure the coronavirus is going to have, uh, this will probably, you know, the Joe Exotic story will probably have a bounce back at some point in time. Um, so they got to really kind of catch it on the right wave. And so when the second wave comes back around, they got to catch it, you know, because there's going to be some update. <laughs> to like Maybe there's an update to like his prison sentence or something like that. Or like, yeah. you know, maybe Trump might, you know, you know, uh, pardon him, pardon or, something him like or something. Something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. You know, um, so. Yeah, there's something that's that's going to happen that's going to trigger a bounce back, uh, and when they when they do have it, that's the time where you capitalize on it. Um, but if they miss it, yeah, this is this is dead on arrival before uh, before we uh, before we even get a chance to see it. Um, so with that being said, um, we are going to jump to our next uh, story, which. Um, yeah, uh, one of my favorite stories here. Uh, uh, you know, for for kids who were born after a certain time, there's certain things that they just aren't you know aware of or or, or you know have the ability to appreciate. Uh, one of those things uh, that I think uh, maybe some of the younger kids won't appreciate is the show or the movie rather. Uh, excuse me, uh, Demolition Man. Uh, this was a movie by all intent and purposes should have went direct to video. Uh, this was, was all of the elements, you know, you, although I guess Stallone is a huge, huge actor. Um, but, uh, but the premise for this movie is pretty stupid, but, but it's fucking glorious. I don't know of anybody who's ever, who's ever telling me, I, I don't like Demolition Man. I think it's a stupid show uh, or movie or whatever. It's no. never been said in the history of men. Uh, <laughs> and you shouldn't Demolition trust man anybody stupid. who says they don't like Demolition Man either. <laughs> you trust yeah. Fuck it, you know, th- th- this, is, uh, this is one of those movies where all the elements scream, yeah, this is terrible. And yet it's so fucking awesome. Um, I-, I love the, the movie Demolition Man. Um, so when he was speaking to, I think he was doing some sort of Instagram Q&A session um, Stallone, uh, he mentioned, and this is his words directly. Uh, I think it is coming. Um, uh, we're working on it right now and, uh, with Warner brothers and it's looking fantastic. So that should come out. Uh, and this obviously, you know, is, is, is another one of those, um, uh, in the long line of Stallone films that, 
we didn't ask for a sequel for this and yet we're, we're, we're definitely going to get a sequel for it. Right. Like, you know, nobody really wanted that last Rambo movie, but we got it anyways. Uh, nobody really wanted, and it was uh, good. Uh, uh, um, was it though? I didn't, I didn't watch it. So I, but I, I, I have strong feelings that it was probably terrible. No, it was good. It was really good. Okay. You should watch I'll, it. I'll reserve. Yeah. I'll reserve judgment until Listen, I see I, it. When have I ever um, lied to you? Uh, constantly, but, uh, we'll, we'll move forward. Uh, uh, so, um, so yeah, anyways, uh, so released in 1993, Demolition Man was about a police officer that is brought out of suspended animation, um, in prison to pursue an old ultra violent nemesis who is, uh, loose in a nonviolent future society. Uh, and the, the film of course starred, uh, Stallone, uh, Wesley Snipes, uh, Sandra Bullock, um, and uh, even, uh, um, uh, Dennis Leary, right? That's his name, right? Dennis Leary. I have that right. Oh uh, yeah. Dennis Leary is in this film, Benjamin Bratt. Yeah. Um, so it had a pretty dope mm-hmm. cast. It had a pretty, pretty great cast. Um, and, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, you know, one of my favorite things from, and, and it's infamous for for a couple of different reasons, the Demolition Man, it was, and I forget what year, I think it was the year, what, 2000, 2000 uh, something. What, uh, when the movie came it was out? Supposed to be, no, no, not when it came out, but when it, like the time period that it was supposed to be reflecting. Um, hold on, let me see if I can find it here super quick, uh, just so I can quote it. Uh, 2032 uh, is is when the movie yeah. was supposed to be sort of depicting. Um, and uh, I remember there were a couple of things that stood out. For one, you know, the the obvious is that Taco Bell was the only <laughs> you know fast food chain to survive uh, the great uh, the great plagues of the world, which uh, is looking increasingly like probably the situation that we're actually dealing with here. You know, given this whole COVID nineteen um, pandemic. Um, but then also, um, uh, it, it also predicted, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's involvement in politics, right? Like, so, uh, in 1983, this film predicted that, uh, Sylvester Stallone, or not Sylvester Stallone, that Arnold Schwarzenegger would become president, um, even though there are clearly, you know, laws in place to prohibit that. Uh, but, you know, I'll be damned if he wasn't the governor of, you know, or, uh, of California, also known as the governor, you know. Um, and then uh, also this kind of talked about like the idea of um, like virtual reality when it come when it came to, you know, uh, uh, having sex and, and it, you know, had a scene where essentially like they didn't, they, they didn't actually touch while having sex that they, you know, put this thing on and then they had this whole experience, um, which isn't terribly far from, you know, where I think some of that shit's heading. Um, so yeah, this film, uh, the original film Demolition Man was riddled with, um, you know, these allusions to things that were actually, we are, we actually are, either not too far off in dealing with or, you know, just plain dealing with, uh, in, in today's society. So, uh, so yeah, w- while I would usually say, yeah, nah, you can miss me with all the sequels. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I'd be a liar if I said I, I, I you know, I wouldn't be, uh, gladly giving my, my money to the theaters for this one. Yeah. I mean, and, and if they manage to pull back some of the uh, stars of the original film, if they manage to pull in uh, Wesley Snipes uh, as, you know, Simon Phoenix, if they manage to pull in uh, um, Sandra Bullock's character, I believe her character was uh, Lena, Lena Halsey. So if they can get 
Mm. Stallone back, if they can get Snipes back, and if they can get Sandra Bullock back, I'm here for it. I, I don't really care what it's about. Um, as long as it follows the same premise of the original film, listen, just tell me where to be and what time the movie starts. I'm down for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It had a, you know, it had this sort of like, um, I don't know. It had this charm to it. That was just like, you know, it, 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 it honestly should not make sense. It, this should not be a good movie by any, and I don't even know objectively if it actually even is a good movie, but I just know that I enjoyed the shit out of it when I was a kid. And even going back and watching some of it uh, today, um, I still enjoy it uh, very, very much. And, and, you know, there's not too many films that I can say, you know, stand up to that test of time of like, you know, when you, you know, we watch a lot of shit when we were young and then we watch when we were older, just like, yeah, this shit is whack. Like, I want us to like it, but also is whack yeah. as fuck. Um, but yeah, Demolition Man uh, isn't uh, isn't one of those for me. Yeah, you can watch this film today and still like enjoy it, just how crazy it was and how like it shouldn't be good, but it is. Um, and, and I still st- I still think there's some story to be told here, right? The movie's set in uh, 2032. Um, if they were to you know take this film into production like the next six months, right? Like, there's still like some really interesting, like fresh technological updates that you could make to this movie while still basing it in the future. Kind of like what we saw in um, Blade Runner 2049. You know, it's like mm. what technology is available now that we could just make feel and seem uh, more futuristic uh, to create this like future based film. Uh, so again, if they can, if, if they can manage to do that, if they can manage to pull back the original cast, Sandra Bullock, Stallone and Wesley Snipes, uh, I think they may have a really interesting project here on their hands. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, let, let's jump into uh, to our, our next uh, story here. Um, so uh, so would you believe that May 9th is official Goku Day? Could you could you believe this? Is it like officially official? Like who it, made it official? official? I don't. I mean, I. I, I okay. Well, let, let me let me read a little bit here uh, about it. Um, uh, but uh, Japan Anniversary Association officially recognized May 9th as Goku Day. The numbers five and nine can be read in Japanese as Go and Ku, respectively. Uh, film distributor to- Toyai um, had applied uh, to the association to have the day recognized as Goku Day. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck the, the validity of that that story is, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, it, it comes from, I think, I believe some credible sources here, but uh, uh, I don't know. I have no fucking idea. Don't even care. It's it's now it's official Goku day for me. <laughs> uh, so but uh, it's it's amazing that I didn't uh, didn't know that um, that uh, that May 9th was uh, Goku day. Um, but uh, but I thought this would just and I'll take any and every opportunity to just talk about Dragon Ball Z and the nostalgia that we uh, that, that uh, of course, a lot of people have for it. And not even just nostalgia, right? Like it's still going, you know, to this very day. They they revived it, and and it's still yeah. uh, going with Dragon Ball Super. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just thought it would be a great time to just talk about some memories of uh, old, old Goku Sters, and nobody's ever called him that in the history of the world, and nor will they ever. Nobody. Uh, <laughs> don't know why you did that. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I panicked. I had a moment of panic. I was searching for some words. Um, but uh, but but yeah, let's let's just talk all things and everything Goku. Uh, what are your what are your great memories of the uh, the great Saiyan warrior? 
I mean, you know, Goku just selfless, right? Um, the, how many times has he died saving Namek or planet Earth? Um, Goku was willing to risk it all, no matter what, for his friends and family and the people of Earth and Namek. Uh, I think he's like one of the most admirable superheroes. Like you can put Goku up there with Superman. Um, you can put Goku up there with uh, like, you know, Thor or like any or Captain America, any of those really noble superheroes um, throughout like comic book or anime history. Uh, great story. I mean, only r- real ones grew up with Dragon Ball Z. Whenever someone says to me like they've never seen or heard of Dragon Ball Z or don't know who Goku is, like you kind of give them a side eye and you immediately lose trust in them. Like, you know what? I was going to co-sign on that on that on that auto loan for you, but now I'm not, it was a bad idea to begin with anyway, but now I'm definitely not. Um, I actually just recently put Dragon Ball Z Kai on my to watch list on Hulu. Um, so I'm going to be starting that as soon as uh, I'm finished with the wire. I didn't know May 9th was Goku day either, but I have no objection to it. There are other holidays I could care less about like Easter Christmas, <laughs> mother's day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yo, Yum yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, I'm here for it. Let's let's go. Goku Day. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so for those, for whatever reason, if for some reason you don't fucking know who Goku is, uh, I would take the time to explain who he is. But also, if you don't know who he is by now, then fuck it. Like, <laughs> you 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 yeah. never going to know. You never need to know. It's fine. Um, but uh, to those who are as uh, as Bane would say, for those who are initiated, um, uh, Goku um, to me was you know he was he was that sort of inspirational figure when I was, you know, when I was a teen growing up to be like, yo, just always get better. You know, that was the the one thing that I can always remember from, from Dragon Balls, from all the way from Dragon Ball, you know, uh, whether you're talking about the original Dragon Ball series or you're talking about Dragon Ball Z or even now Dragon Ball Super, he was always the one to push the envelope further, you know? And if, even if he wasn't the one to get the job done, he would still be the one to inspire those, you know, to get the job done, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, so just a couple things like right off the top of my head, I think obviously, you know, when he, the first time that he ever turned Super Saiyan was just like a fucking, that was a moment, dude. Like I remember being a kid being like, oh shit, here it comes. (laughs) Like here (laughs) it is finally, you know, after all this talking about it, um, and, and, and it was different in those days in that, like, we didn't, you know, clearly we didn't have, like, on demand or, like, you know, we, we couldn't watch it, like, in, in sequential order sometimes. And uh, I remember being a kid and seeing, like, the – and this is back – and I forget what, what it was called on, you know uh, – like, what the what the video program was called. But I remember watching it on, like – it's like – what is it called? Like, Winamp or, like – it was one of those weird, like, or something, media player or something like that, whatever. Um, but we, I would watch the uh, the Japanese versions, and they weren't translated. You know, there were no subtitles. So you kind of had to, like, try to figure out what was going Dang. on because of, obviously it came out in Japan. Then, it, you know, before, you know, it came to the U.S. or, you know, was translated or um, uh, subtitled. Um, and so 
you, you would see this happening. You know, you see Goku turn in Super Saiyan well before it ever actually came out here in the U.S. Um, and then it came out here in the U.S. and you finally understood what they were saying and you understood what was going on. And, and it was so fucking dope. Uh, and I remember that particular scene. Um, I'm trying to remember some other, some other, you know, pretty key. Uh, my favorite character in Dragon Ball Z was always Gohan. And I just remember, um, I just remember when Goku died. Uh, in the cell games, uh, spoiler alert to anybody who didn't fucking know that. Um, but, uh, but when he died and he was still coaching his son up, you know, like, <laughs> and that, you know, that, that always stood with me as well. And then just his relationships too, like, you know, his relationship, although I, I kind of always feel like he did Chi Chi dirty, you know, because he would just never be there. He would like gladly die on purpose <laughs> if it meant getting away from yeah. Chi Chi. Uh, <laughs> so I, I always thought that was kind of grimy. Um, but uh but you know his relationship with piccolo was was always super dope you know they always had that bond of like you know uh that they always kind of just had each other's back and had each other's respect too um and then his growing relationship with vegeta you know i thought that was uh that that was always a life lesson growing up that you know sometimes you can have better enemies but you know if you just talk to them a little bit uh and if shit hits the fan you know if you got they back, you know, they, they, there's a decent chance that they, they might have yours if you if you guys have the same sort of, you know, goals in, in place. And so watching that relationship and, and foster and, and how he always treated it. And he never, he never seemed like he hated uh, a lot of the villains that they had, right? It's almost like he pitied them, you know, um, which I always thought was an interesting part uh, part of his character. But uh, but anyways, without going into, a, you know, a three-hour conversation about Goku, no, yeah. although we I think we could pull that um, off. And- yeah, and just like one last thing here. I think Goku, like the character, right, taught an entire generation of kids. Uh, if nothing else, you know, work hard, practice, train, get better at whatever you do. Um, you know, uh, have your friends' backs, right? Like be a person of integrity. The people you love, the people you care about, your friends, like be ready to go to war for them um, if ever they need you. Uh, and, and again, like like I said, in- integrity. So um, great character. I- I, I was scrolling through Netflix and Hulu last night, like looking at a bunch of like different Jan- Japanese animes. Um, like, you know, I watched a couple episodes of Cowboy Bebop last night. There is one thing about Japanese anime that has always stuck out to me, which is very interesting. It's like all of the characters are mostly white, which is interesting because it's like, you know, j- j- ap- j- anime is definitely Japanese. Uh, I believe it's an art form that originated in Japan. Um, all of these characters are white, right? When Goku goes Super Saiyan, what happens? He then gets blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, very interesting, but uh, I'm not going to... Uh, I don't have an answer to it. I didn't do any research. I, I've just always kind of thought it was like an interesting uh, premise, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, have you not, noticed not that you've noticed that afraid or anything? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, like you know, so I, I watched this video a, a while back that was actually talking about the fact that, like, and this came from a fan f- of the show, like somebody who's like a diehard Dragon Ball Z fan, but he was he was a black dude, and he had this he has this whole video about how how Dragon Ball Z is or Dragon Ball, I guess, in, in you know. Uh, overall is uh is you know it has a lot of like racist undertones right so like take for instance yeah. like mr popo mr popo right, is supposed to essentially mm-hmm. be like the only black you know character on the show or people default to like okay mm, perhaps piccolo's black right um but um uh or, or even like yet just like you were saying how like all their characters are, are are mainly just like white even though it's like a japanese you know uh anime um 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly why, you know, that is or like what the thought process that goes into that other than, you know, just the influence that is, you know, uh, uh, Europeans and, you know, this whole, uh, this whole, this whole ability that I think they have to, uh, to make everybody sort of bend towards like thinking, oh, everything white is right, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, shying away from who, you know, who, who, who they are, or who they might be, whether it be the Japanese or even black people or, you know, uh, anybody else for that matter. Um, you kind of reduce, uh, you see sort of this reduction of, you know, your own image in favor of, you know, the, the, the blonde hair, green eyes and, you know, and, and so I don't know, I, I, I don't think I ever really like noticed or cared about that growing up, but definitely as an adult, I definitely, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it definitely is, um, something that you, you can't know, help but notice it as an adult. To. Yeah. And it's like all of my yeah. favorite animes, like the all of my favorite Japanese animes, all of the characters in it are like mostly white characters, you know, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, Yu Yu Hakusho, Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing, uh, all of them, Japanese animes featuring white characters. So interesting. But nonetheless, yeah. we all love Goku still. Yeah, we do. So, uh, so happy, uh, happy past uh, Goku Day uh, on uh, May 9th. I, I definitely won't miss it next year. Uh, that's for damn sure. Okay. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's soldier on to our next story. Um, so we actually just got word this week that uh, little Richard uh, passed away. Uh, and, um, and I'll, I'll let Rolling Stones tell it, uh, because they can obviously tell it a little better than I could. Uh, little Richard, a founding father of rock and roll, who's, uh, uh, fever, uh, fervent, uh, shrieks, a flamboyant garb and joyful gender bending persona embodied the spirit and sound of, uh, of that new art formed, uh, died May 9th, uh, this, this past Saturday. Uh, he was 87. Uh, the musician's son, Danny Jones, uh, uh, Hanneman uh, confirmed the the pioneer's death to, to Rolling Stone. Uh, the cause of death was bone cancer, according to his lawyer, uh, Bill uh, Sobel. Um, so, of course, uh, Little Richard, who's of uh, Tutti Frutti fame, um, which was in, all the way back in 1956. I didn't, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really realize that that song in particular was that old. Um, because when you think about it, you're like, holy shit, was that ahead of its time? Um, uh, but, uh, but anyways, uh, you know, he had, he had other hits like, uh, long tally Sally, uh, rip it up. Um, Lucille in 1957, uh, good, uh, good ghoulie, good ghoulie miss Molly, um, in 1958. Uh, and, um, and yeah, it was, you know, all those were mostly driven by, uh, his simple, uh, uh, Pumping piano, gospel influence, vocal uh, exclamations, and uh, sexually charged uh, lyrics. Um, yeah, so you know, and, you know, it, 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 it's you know, it, it's fitting, right? Uh, it's 2019 or 2020, rather. Uh, you know, I'm trying to turn back the hands of time. Um, it's 2020, and you know, we're, we're just getting shit after shit burger uh, in this particular year. Um, and this is just another one of those things that uh, that is is is, is uh, you know, obviously he was up there in age, uh, and I'm sure he, he lived a very you know long and and uh, uh, 
you know, sort of adventurous life. Um, but uh, but it still it still sucks no matter what, man. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of the legends uh, that uh, that we we look to for so long um, pass away. You know, um, you know, and Little Richard certainly is not. Um, you know, he, he he's certainly one of those major names in in music that pushed the envelope um, for for what you should do, especially given you know his the the way he looked, the way he sang, uh, his interactions with people were certainly not. <laughs> you know, we we look we we kind of take it at least a little bit for granted nowadays. Of oh yeah, you know you you, you might have your uh, slim thug or, or somebody who might wear a dress or do this or do that and think eh, it is what it is. Like that's just you know the time we're in. Um, but back in you know the you know the the era that uh, Little Richard is is from, you know it, it was almost unheard of uh, somebody of you know his uh, his stature to to do the sort of things that he did, um, and you know he did it unapologetically, you know um, uh, at least to some degree, um, and so so yeah, um, it, it, uh, yeah. It, it's uh, terrible that uh, he passed. And I do want to make one thing clear. Little Richard is the founding father of rock and roll, um, starting off like with his uh, hit Tutti Frutti. Uh, I believe it was Elvis Presley who also re- uh, redid or remade Tutti Frutti um, or re- released a song called Tutti Frutti in the same year that Little Richard did it. Um, and a lot of people will say Elvis is the king of rock and roll. No, Elvis just stole the sound, right? And Elvis even, you know, throughout his career admitted that he got all of his uh, musical influences or the majority of his musical influences were like African-American folk, um, uh, you know, uh, folk singers, artists, so on and so on. Um, And Tutti Frutti is Little Richard's song, which is one of Elvis Presley's biggest song. So he is the founding father of rock and roll. Um, To your point, to, to do what he did in the time that he did it, he was unapologetic about it. He was flamboyant. Um, and this goes to show that like music can transcend uh, any point in time, right? So if you're a black flamboyant man in the 1960s who wears makeup and eyeliner and who gets their hair done in a perm and who wears these crazy outfits and suits, the music was just so incredible. Like it, 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 pushed beyond like the racism and the segregation during that time. Like you couldn't deny his presence. Um, you know, 87, is that too soon? I don't know, but I, I think he's, yeah, he lived a long, great life. I think his contributions to music um, were are unquestionable and um, you know, it's an unfortunate time for his passing you know, with everything that's going on. I'm sure it's just like added pressure for his family, but um, I mean, what a, what a fucking icon this guy was. Still is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's a proper way to, uh, to, to exit from that, uh, from, from, from that segment. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's no other way to describe him other than, uh, being an icon, um, in, uh, in music and just in, in the world. Uh, so yeah, with that, uh, we'll, we'll press forward here. Um, uh, so, uh, I just wanted to give like a little bit of an update, uh, to talk about, uh, this past weekend, uh, you know, uh, this was the weekend that, um, theaters were supposed to start, uh, open or the theaters among other businesses were supposed to start opening up in Texas. Um, and so I wanted to kind of, I, I was very curious to see sort of like how the first weekend would go. And then to my dismay, uh, yeah, basically like none of the theaters actually opened, <laughs> uh, which is very, um, <laughs> Uh, unsurprising. They shook at the end of the um, day. 
Yeah. Uh, well, well, because uh, so Greg Abbott, the uh, he's the uh, the governor, I believe, of Texas, uh, w- wanted to have things open back up. But even the theaters had to admit, like, yeah, we like, like we'd love to be open too. But like for just a number of reasons, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, why would we be the first uh, among the first to open up? Right. Like, like so. For instance, like, okay, you open the theaters back up, and you know the you know everybody goes back to work, and yada yada. But who the fuck is going to a theater right now? There's not only do you have the threat of, you know, catching a virus, you know, that could potentially be fatal, you know, depending on who you are. Um, and maybe not even then, you know, is, is are you that safe if, uh, you know, even if you're, you are young and, and your immune system isn't already compromised, but there's not a goddamn movie in theater right now to, to, to watch. So it's like, why would I, what the fuck would possess me? I could watch Avengers at home. Like I don't need to, yeah. I don't need to like step into the fucking cesspool. That is a movie theater in order to watch this shit. Um, uh, because even if they are like just playing, um, you know, playing the old classics, so to speak, you know, and, 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 you know, replaying movies that, uh, that, you know, already, were in theaters and they're just, you know, redoing them or, or re, uh, reintroducing them to theaters because of the virus. Um, but, uh, but anyways, uh, uh, so, uh, on Monday of this past week, uh, the governor said, uh, and this is coming from ABC 13, um, said the next phase of reopening the state uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, will be allowing all retail stores, restaurants, movie theaters, malls, libraries, and museums to uh, to open, um, but the occupancy, uh, occupancy rate, uh, is capped at, um, 25%. Um, so again, I was very curious to see sort of what theaters that I, and I, I was checking Twitter and I was trying to see, okay, like what, what is, what's the temperature like, like who's actually going to the theater? Like what were the numbers like? And it turned out like a shit ton of the theaters weren't reopening. So, uh, you, you oh, whoops. Uh, Hold on. I've got some audio here that should not be happening. Nope. All right. That, uh, yeah. All right. We'll cut that piece of it out. That was weird. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, uh, the Alamo draft house, um, which, uh, uh, the Alamo Draft House, uh, which is uh, headquartered in Austin, um, they basically said, "Yeah, we're not opening up until we feel like it's appropriate to. Um, you know, we want to keep everybody safe." Uh, so they chose not to open up. Uh, AMC Theaters, uh, the national chain, uh, they didn't open up uh, as well. Um, and I think what they, what everybody, I guess, generally speaking, even you know the people that I'm naming here, what they're, I think, generally waiting for is uh, for. Uh, for this summer's sort of uh, for right now, like basically the biggest opening ever in, in, you know, the history of cinema, which is looking like it's going to be tenant. Um, if it holds its July release, what everybody is waiting for is that to drop before they decide, you know, to, to, to open the doors back up. Uh, Sinmark essentially, you know, is the same thing that they're essentially eyeing, um, the, for, you know, uh, for that July release, um, Regal cinemas, they're also staying closed, uh, for the foreseeable future river Oaks theater studio movie, gr- uh, movie grill. All these places are staying closed until they can sort of absolutely guarantee that for one, they can actually like, you know, keep people safe, but then two, um, that they actually have something for people to actually fucking watch, you know, versus just opening up haphazardly, uh, without, you know, anything actually there you know, for people to partake in. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a bit of a head scratcher as far as like, why is it that 
theaters are one of the first to to open up um, versus you know some other sort of critically needed um, you know you know business sector um, to, to to open up, uh, especially one where like a lot of people are just going to be gathering and swapping germs left and right. That there's almost next to nothing that you're going to be able to do to prevent that from happening. Um, yeah, I mean, the theaters are essentially of, uh, boxes theater. where people congregate in large groups. Um, for extended periods of time. Like, <laughs> why is this the first thing that um, that like is being pushed to open? Hey, 150 people, go sit inside that box, watch <laughs> this movie yeah. in close proximity to one another. Let's see what happens. Doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just like, you know, and, and we, we already talked about, you know, on, on our last podcast, we, we talked about, uh, uh, you know, some of the ways that, you know, they're going to try to like what their strategy is for reopening, um, you know, come come that time. And, you know, essentially like they're looking at a kind of kind of a TSA style kind of like, you know, uh, they're going to do certain things like, you know, uh, check your temperature or, you know, ask if you've been. Um, you know, if a family member or you have been sick in the past two weeks, yada, yada, like you, you, you just have all these things that they're going to try to do to, to like essentially, uh, reopen the, the theaters. And it's just like, bro, like, I, I, I don't know, like, what is the purpose of all this? Like, why, why are you so desperate to like, instead of going the alternative route, which is, um, keep things closed until you, you're absolutely sure that say like the death rates are are falling, or that the um, uh, that even just the new cases of of COVID nineteen those percentages are are, are dropping. Um, like th there was a story out of Texas that you know they're they're doing all this, and you know the numbers are actually on a rise. I don't know if they're still on the rise as of right now, but I remember as of the reporting that you know Greg Abbott was going to take these actions, um, that uh, that the numbers still weren't bearing that out. Um, and I think he was saying like some shit like, oh well. You know the amount of people like because they were testing more people, they're like, oh well, the percentage of people who are tested who don't have it compared to like when we first started this out, and it's like, well, yeah, because you started with more than, <laughs> like, you started with like five tests, and now you've moved to like ten tests. Okay, like, yeah, all right, like the percentage of people are are, are decreasing, but you don't know exactly where that number is if you don't test everybody, and you certainly haven't done yeah. that, you know, in, in a state of what like twenty six million people. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think this is uh. I think even the theaters know, like, yeah, they don't want to get caught slipping. You know, they're they're like, yeah, it's, we're it's not gonna fall for this risk. shit, Greg. So you can turn on see us. Yeah. It's too great a risk to take, um, and then you know the the liability concerns, right? Like, if somebody goes to the movie theater, right, and the movie theater does go through all those like TSA style precautions, and they still end up contracting the coronavirus, whose fault is it? You know, it's like, well, you came to the theater, we didn't force you to come. But the the viewer, right, could be like, well, you guys said I would be safe. You guys said that you would take the necessary precautions to protect me as a um, a, a viewer or as a customer, right? Uh, so I think from a liability standpoint, it's uh, if I'm a movie theater, I'd rather stay closed. And, you know, obviously we're not earning revenue, probably losing some money, than be uh, susceptible to a potential like $100 million lawsuit by someone who contracted the coronavirus. And if somebody goes to the movie theater and they die or they um, are able to like link several positive infections back to a movie theater location, 
you know, that could cripple the entire business. So you might as well stay closed versus opening your doors to, you know, again, a potential hundred million dollar lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move forward here. Um, yeah, no. So I was going to say the next topic here is um, talking about like what, what is still on the move in the, the movie theater uh, or the film industry, right? Like what are people still doing? What are people still working on? Um, and virtual productions, if anybody who's like a VFX designer, um, uh, motion graphics or, or like, you know, the, uh, augmented reality or whatever fucking there's all those design disciplines i don't know half of them but if you if you are a vfx designer right now you are okay because there are so many projects right now like if you're working on a star wars project if you're working on uh, a marvel project maybe like um uh Doctor Strange, Madness, Multi-Universe or whatever, any of those projects that are going to have huge digital effect components, there's still so much work to be done. And you're actually kind of fortunate that you have more time to do that work, to get those graphic elements right, to make bigger and better um, like digital environments. Um, so like I was reading an article about this and um, you know, the, the title here is, is perfect, right? Virtual productions are going to save the movie theater industry because like that work is still able to be done. Um, a lot of these virtual digital projects uh, are still in production. Uh, they're going to hit in a timely manner once this whole coronavirus thing is over. Um, and I think we're going to see a shift towards um, a lot of these, uh, you know, style, style of films moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll read a little bit from the, uh, from an article in IndieWire. Um, while production has been halted during the, uh, the lockdown, virtual production is saving the industry thanks in large part to the real time and VR innovations of John Favreau's The Lion King, as well as the, uh, the Mandalorian. Thus, uh, work continues remotely on VFX intensive features and TV shows as supervisors, artists, uh, uh, supervisors and artists uh, perform virtual scouting and scene planning with uh, directors and other uh, and other filmmakers in the comfort of their own homes using Zoom and Slack. Uh, and then it also goes on to say, um, while uh, video wall screen projection has been around for a while, its uh, its uh, ability for set. Uh, extension has been limited by camera movement that is until the industrial light uh, and magic pioneered uh, the stagecraft platform for the Mandalorian eliminating the need for uh, costly and time-consuming location scouting entirely instead actors on the Star Wars uh, Bounty Hunter series for Disney Plus uh, perform in an immersive and massive LED video wall and uh, ceiling at uh, Manhattan Beach Studios in LA where the practical set pieces are combined with digital extensions on the screens. This allows the filmmakers to generate complex and exotic digital backdrops in real time using Epic's uh, uh, Unreal game engine. Um, so I, I guess in a nutshell, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm ashamed to say I don't, I don't actually know that much about this, um, you know, more than what I read in this article, but I just found it so intriguing that um, they can essentially create these sets uh, without the people actually having to like be like like on the actual like location uh, and they can do all this like location scouting without actually having to like be physically there which in a time like this is fucking critical you know um and uh 
to be able to still sort of do all that, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, having to do that through the, by means of like pre-production or even shooting some of these, uh, scenes, um, that re- require you just to go to this, this place in LA. Um, that's fucking crazy, you know? Uh, and that just keeps the, uh, the needle moving on a project that would otherwise be stalled out, you know? Um, now, you know, it's just for shows or it's not just, but it's more helpful for shows or movies that are VFX, heavy um um you know things that uh that uh, that have a lot of sort of um you know that that have uh, you know well again uh, just heavy vfx um content um but uh but yeah i thought this was uh you know fucking dope you know uh, and, and and it's so dope that they created it uh, or that they kind of perfected it or maybe not perfected it but uh exercised the ability to do it on the lion king as well as uh, the mandalorian and lo and behold it becomes this critical thing that is actually needed during you know this crazy time of you know covid-19 uh pandemic um you know uh uh yeah this this era um, so yeah, I think that's fucking awesome. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm so curious and then, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't read enough or, or I didn't do enough research to see exactly what they mean specifically. Like, I, I wish I could have watched some videos to see exactly like how they all got it done. And, and maybe even, uh, I haven't checked it out yet, but, uh, the behind the scenes of, uh, the, the, uh, the Mandalorian, uh, I know dropped, uh, recently. I don't know if you've checked it out or not. Um, but, uh, they, they did a certain, such like a documentary about the making of the, the Mandalorian. Um, and so perhaps that will give some sort of insight into like how all this, you know, is supposed to work and, 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 you know, how all of it sort of ties together. Um, but, uh, but either way it's, it's, it's dope as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the making of the Mandalorian is on Disney plus, I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm definitely gonna go look for that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it's it's just great to hear that like there are parts of the industry that are still in motion, um, uh, no pun intended, uh, with these like VFX uh, productions. So, um, you know, re- really excited to see like what comes out of this, right? Like, you know, the, those those big projects, The Mandalorian too. Like, what are they still able to do on that project to keep it in motion during a time like this when other productions have all but halted? Um, so yeah, definitely a story that I, we got to follow up on a little bit more. I want to learn a little bit more about like actually how they're doing these things. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll hopefully have more on that in like, uh, you know, future episodes. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to get somebody on here who actually like is involved in that and can I kind of speak fluently about it. Uh, so maybe we, we might, uh, have like a guest who, uh, is, is more heavily immersed in that world and can speak. Uh, and then honestly, I would love to talk to anybody who is, uh, is in the middle of a production right now to see sort of what that world's like. Um, because, you know, I, I know that it's affecting the, the film industry in, in very sort of unique and, and troubling ways. Like, you know, if you're, if you're a lot of the people who work in the film industry are, um, are freelancers, you know, and just kind of jump from job to job, uh, which makes, survival at this particular moment in time extremely hard so i'd be curious to see how all those uh how some of the places that are actually in production um like what they're doing to sort of keep the the, the wheels turning and obviously this yeah. is uh this is speaking essentially to that um but i'd, I'd love to hear directly from people uh, versus speculating like uh like we tend to always do um so uh moving on to our next story here and let's hope I pressed the correct button. I did not. Let's, uh, there we go. Um, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about Comic-Con uh, because just like uh, all the rest of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, essentially, you know, any sort of like uh, uh, 
any sort of um, gathering sort of situation. Um, you know, Comic-Con was, was announced that it was canceled uh, for the first time in its history um, because of the, the uh, pandemic. Um, but, uh, but, you know, uh, and this is coming um, from an article from, uh, from Digital Spy. Um, the convention's official Twitter feed announced uh, the news that uh, Comic-Con is essentially still happening. Um, so, and they, and they had this like funny uh, way of putting it. They said, uh, coming soon, Free parking, comfy chairs, personalized snacks, no lines, pets welcome, badges for all, uh, and a front row seat to uh, dot 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 uh, Comic Con at home. Um, and so, uh, so it appears that they're still planning on 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 doing something at least for Comic Con. Um, details about ticket prices, guests, uh, expected trailers, and and all the the, the other chutzpah that's uh, sort of uh, surrounding Comic Con um, hasn't been announced yet. Um, but I think that they are planning to do something uh, for it. Uh, and, and unless I'm mistaken, I think Comic-Con generally takes place around either June or July, unless I, I, I'm mistaken about that. Yeah, um, it's definitely so, like an early so summer this, event. Yeah. Um, so so I know they're still planning to, to you know, um, so obviously they're, they're gearing for next year's, but also, you know, they still want to do something for this year, which I think is is smart because, you know, I think a lot of people go for the whole sort of like um, for the whole sort of crazy, you know, seeing a lot of like these cosplayers, um, um, you know, and, and to get uh, immersed into that world. But if you can't do that, then the next best thing is just to release everything online, you know, and, and just, you know, make it a situation where uh, much like South by Southwest just did uh, recently, uh, which uh, which was such a, a dope thing that uh, Amazon Prime did, um, putting putting a lot of those films out from South by Southwest, um, at least for, for a specific amount of time. Um I think you've you've got to start planning for Plan B, uh, which is again what I'm screaming to these like theaters is like you got to start planning ahead because, you know, we might be in this shit for quite some time. You know, no matter what, yeah. like people, you know, governors or whoever trying to force the reopen, we're going to be dealing with this shit for a while. People are going to be super hesitant to go anywhere. So it's like either think of a, you know, Plan B or just watch your shit fall completely apart. Um, and so, yeah. uh, so it's nice to know that, uh, Comic-Con is kind of thinking ahead on this one. And fortunately for Comic-Con, like they've had the gift of time, right? Uh, when this whole like uh, coronavirus thing, uh, the quarantines, like national shutdowns was announced, there were some other, um, you know, out, like music events or film events like South by Southwest, um, you know, uh, rolling loud, uh, um, there was an event that was supposed to happen here in DC called Broccoli City Fest that didn't have the the benefit of time where they just had to literally just cancel the events or they had to like, you know, postpone the event to some future unknown date. Um, for the ones that had to cancel, like that's really just like revenue loss. They're just, they're just kind of like ass out when it comes to what they could have earned if that had, event had took place this year. Uh, Comic-Con, again, they've had the gift of time. They had the time to pivot to a digital platform and plan like, all right, what is this digital Comic-Con experience going to be like? So um, I'm hoping with that time, they've been able to, to kind of curate a digital experience that will um, – as closely as possible mirror what it would have been like to go to Comic-Con uh, live. Uh, 
you know, it was a huge success. The NFL was able to do it with the NFL draft, which was all uh, digital. Um, you know, I think again, with, with the gift of time, I think Comic-Con, they can pull this off um, in, in a really spectacular, really interesting and an engaging way. Um, and, and, and I think this may even set a bar for like some of the other bigger events. Like well, what, what is Coachella going to do now? If Comic-Con is able to do it successfully, I think Coachella usually happens like later in the year, like September, October or whatever. Mm-hmm. What is Coachella now going to do? Um, and what do these events look like moving forward? Like in 2021, like, let's say the dust settles, right. And, you know, we, we're, we're, we move beyond this coronavirus thing. Do we just go back to normal in 2021 with like, you know, South by Southwest or Coachella or Rolling Loud or Rocky City Fest, Comic-Con? Do we just go back to what we did before or do the future of these events change if this Comic-Con at home event is, is successful? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think, um, yeah, I think that, you know, that there's going to be a, 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 an emphasis to come up with a, a plan that isn't just for the first, you know, for the short term future, but for the foreseeable future, you know, what, what do you, a lot of these events, what do they look like? You know, um, that the whole idea of having a lot of people gather in the same place just does not seem as appetizing now as it, as it once did. Um, even though I'm sure we'll get back to that in some capacity, but uh, but you know I, I would have to think that it, it's going to be changed in, in some significant way after all of this, um, and you know I'm very interested to see who's innovative and who's not, right? Who's who's trying to do something a little different? Like so, for instance, you know say what you will about the WWE, but they just had uh, they did a WrestleMania recently, um, and they uh, they d- did it all without an audience, um, which is a very unique thing. Um, but they were creative, you know, when, no matter what you might think of what they did, it, it was different than like, and it was, it was, it was, uh, it, it they thought way outside of the box, you know, as, as far as like what, um, you know, what they were what they I'm sure were originally planning for and what they ended up ultimately ended up with. They, they thought really differently than they would have otherwise, uh, instead of just trying to kind of force, um, force what they would originally do into that, you know, same, same sort of box. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting with a lot of these, you know, festivals and, and a lot of these sort of conventions and things like that, what they do, um, because, you know, they can't, they can't keep everything closed forever, but at the same time, you're going to have to change some of your patterns in order to adapt to the to like our new reality. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see sort of where everybody goes from here. I think one one of the biggest, um, if you look at like industries that are really going to thrive after this, uh, it's obviously going to be anything digital. Um, so if you have any digital skills, even if something is like. Um, basic as like graphic design, um, ex- user experience design, interface design, um, uh, VFX, right? Or like if you're a digital strategist, uh, media planner, those roles are going to be so much more important now than they were before with uh, this huge digital shift, which really just rolls us right into like the next topic here um, where we are. Uh, so there was an article that was um, uh, put out by, I believe this was on Yahoo!, Yahoo Entertainment, which talks about, um, you know, what Disney is going to be doing in terms of their future strategy. So Disney says like more of its um, releases could skip theaters and see some changes uh, or, you know, see some changes to release strategy after this whole COVID-19 thing. So on a recent, I believe this was a, like a company-wide earnings call 
this past Tuesday. Uh, Disney CEO Bob Chappick praised theatrical movie going during the company's earnings call, but said uh, case by case decisions on how films will roll out will be made during the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Basically, what that means is things have changed, right? The the theatrical, the theater going experience is not what it used to be, right? And that's going to change, I think, permanently, right? No one's going to go to the theaters like they used to. In 2021, we're not all going to be potting back in those boxes, sitting in close proximity anymore to watch movies. Like being able to view these movies at home or you know on the go or some type of digital experience is going to be the the, the wave of the future. Um, and Disney's smart enough to see that now and start to plan for it. I mean, I think they already. Started started to plan for it by releasing Disney plus to begin with, but now they're going to see, all right, how do we take this platform to the next level? Um, but I think they're also gonna have to like uh, respect the, you know, AMCs and the regal cinemas of the world. And like, all right, how do we create, what's our strategy moving forward to still respect and keep that movie theater uh, industry alive. But as a company, right. As Disney, what is our, digital strategy moving forward how are we like the first uh, how, do, how do we lead that strategy versus like following what other companies are going to do yeah um yeah I, I think you know and it's interesting you know we were talking earlier about like amc how their reaction to um you know uh to to, to you know uh, universal and you know all that stuff um so this is a very interesting quote uh, you know, because um, you can kind of say that to Universal a little bit, right? Like, okay, the, the, like they, they've got what Fast and Furious, right? Like, okay, yeah. you know, I mean, yes, Fast and Furious still does numbers, but I mean, I can go without Fast and Furious, you know, it's fine, you know, whatever. Um, but as soon as it, like, I always wondered what would happen if Disney were to make the same comments that Universal did, right? What the fuck would AMC do? Because, okay, you can take the big boy stance of, yeah, we're not going to play your films. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, and because that's the kind of weight that fucking, you know, Disney wields right now because of the, the success of all of the, the, the MCU uh, films, right? That uh, essentially, yeah, all right, yeah, fair enough. What do you think? People are not going to watch Endgame, you know, if you don't have it in theaters? Bitch, more people would watch Endgame if you could just watch it in the comfort of your own home, you know? So um, so these comments are very interesting uh, in the light of the current environment of, of how the um, how theaters are going to sort of, you know, handle this going forward. And, you know, I, I think, uh, and let, let me read this one thing here. Um, so, and this is talking about Bob Chappick. Uh, he cited the release of Artemis Fowl, which is heading directly to uh, Disney Plus streaming um, uh, in June without first playing in theaters due to its uh, demographic appeal on the streaming service. Um, and this article, by the way, is, uh, is from... Um, digital uh not digital spy this is from uh from yahoo unless i'm mistaken about that um but uh yeah uh 
uh, major tentpole releases uh, for the rest of uh, 2020 have been pushed back uh, in order to try to take advantage of the power of theaters as a revenue driver, Chappic noted. Uh, Mulan, uh, which was pushed back once already, is slated to test the waters in on uh, July 24th, uh, though the outlook is uh, is highly uncertain at this particular moment in time. Uh, as to what kind of climate uh, will greet the release of Mulan, um, he, he says, uh, we're going to uh, get a pretty good idea about uh, that because there is a competitive movie that opens one week uh, before ours, and he's referring, referring of course, to, uh, to Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Um, and uh, at that point, uh, we're hoping that there's uh, some return in some semblance of normal um, in terms of uh, the number of screens that are opening and the number of showtimes our fingers are crossed. So, um, you know, well, uh, let me let me help you read between the lines there a little bit. He's basically saying, like, if Tenet doesn't do good, we're releasing this shit straight to uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, don't get it <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's uh, a smart strategy. I was gonna say, like, that's a smart strategy. I mean, like, uh, Tenet and Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan's film, like, they're willing to be, they're willing to go first, right? Um, first man through the door. Uh, we know how that goes. First man through the door used to get shot, or you, are, you know, or you know, you may find some success <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, but um, uh, Disney's smart enough to kind of like look at what that those first week of Tenet. Uh, sales, you know, and, and are people going into the movie theater? Is there an appetite for this? Uh, and they're going to be able to quickly shift to push the Mulan to Disney Plus as needed, as well as like other video on demand services. Um, so I, th- I think they're in a good place. If, yeah. if so long as Tenet continues to lead the way, they're in a good place. Um, Disney did what, $13 billion in revenue last year. Um, and this article also points out one really interesting thing when you talk about profit margins, right? If Disney films gross $13 billion in, in one year, year how much of that profit was shared with um the uh um the like the the movie theater companies that like show those films right did uh did 20 percent of the profits go to the theaters uh did was it a larger amount was it a smaller amount and even if disney moves forward with like a digital first strategy right and they see profits decrease or they see revenue decrease, maybe they only do 9 billion in revenue. But if you're making, if your profit margins are like 100% of that 9 billion versus um, only taking or only taking in 75% of the 13 billion, what is more profitable when you really look at the hard numbers? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Really. I can't wait till, till July. What is it? Seventh that tenant is going to, premiere it was a july 7th uh, i think it's uh uh no i think it's a uh, july uh 16th unless 16th? i have my numbers okay. incorrect 16th or 17th one of those two um yeah, yeah i think it's, it's gonna be i think really it's july 17th man. that uh yeah it's gonna be really interesting yeah, dude uh i I'm just uh, I'm curious to see if they hold the date because I think they, they there was rumors that uh, this past week was supposed to be sort of their cutoff for when they had to make the decision whether they hold that date or not or move tenant back um, and yeah. I and I don't know yet uh, what um, what what has come of it um, but uh, but yeah if they, if they hold the date man holy shit uh, what a story that is you know to have. Uh, Christopher Nolan, the person who's a diehard, um, he, he's all about preserving 
you know, uh, the actual film um, technology and, 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 you know, instead of uh, going, you know, everybody transitioning to digital. Um, and so to have him and, and he's in love with movies, the whole movie going experience of sitting in a theater and watching a, a movie, um, uh, to have him sort of come back on his horse and to, to, to essentially save the the film industry, so to speak. Um, holy shit. You know, what, what a story. Do I think it's going to play out like yeah. that? No, I don't fucking think it's going to play out like that. I, I think it's going to be. I think they're going to deal with some hard truths uh, once um, once Tenet hits theaters, you know, um, because not that many people are actually going to go out, and then it's just going to look like chaos. With you have a bunch of different theaters who have a bunch of different ideas as to what they should do and screenings and shit, and not to mention what happens the month after when all the numbers start pouring in as far as like COVID nineteen cases. I don't know. It might be a shit show, but uh, either way, I'm going to grab some popcorn, probably from the safety of my own, own house, and watch what happens. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, definitely. Oh, a quick question: are, are you are you are you going to go see Tenant when it comes out? Like what? Hell no! <laughs> I, I'm, I'll let you know now. I'm not going to go see that. Like unless it was like one of those like really like luxury premiere theaters where there's only like um, like ten booths in the theater and they're all um, evenly spaced apart. And like those nicer ones where you can like order drinks and food or whatever, maybe, maybe if they check everybody's temperature, mm. right. And then you got to bring your medical records in to see if you had been <laughs> uh, tested positive and maybe you, you survived it. I still don't want to be there with you. Um, <laughs> so there's a 90% chance I will not see tenant in theaters. Mm. But I will yeah, check I, Mulan I on Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, you're just throwing oh, in the yeah. towel already. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I haven't decided whether I, I would actually go see it. I, I think I'm pretty firm on no, but I, I think that the site for one, I, I, I you know, I, I don't think I've ever I've made it any sort of small thing on the podcast that I absolutely love Christopher Nolan's movies. He's probably my favorite director um, working right now. Um, so I'm just dying to, and I'm curious to see what Tenet is all about. Um, but uh, but even more than that, you know, it's going to be the only the first movie that we're you know the new movie that we're going to be able to like review and talk about and dissect. Um, and so, just in the interest of the podcast, it's like uh, I feel like I have a duty to the podcast to actually like go and see it and be able to talk about it. Um, uh, so you know, you fans out there, I hope you know how much I care about you guys because I'm I'm breathing. Uh, I'd be braving. Uh, 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 my very comfy life here to risk it just for you guys. So, uh, so yeah, not not to pat myself on the back, although I am patting myself on the back. Um, if that should <laughs> should should be the case. Um, okay, let's move on to our uh, uh, our last story of uh, the day. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, the cruise in space. Um, uh, you know. Uh, there was sort of rumors from a lot of different places that uh, Tom Cruise was working on a project that was literally out of this world. Um, and, uh, and so this, this comes to us by way of uh, NME. Um, NME. Uh, it was previously reported that Cruise and Elon Musk were reportedly teaming up to make uh, the first movie to be shot in the final frontier with the SpaceX founder enlisting the help of NASA uh, uh, to create the ambitious movie. Now it's been confirmed that uh, Cruise will be 
uh, <clears throat> will shoot uh, the force, uh, the forthcoming flick uh, aboard the International um, Space Station. Um, and this is according to a posting on Twitter uh, by NASA Administrator Jim uh, Brenstein, who wrote that NASA is excited uh, to, uh, to to work with crews on a film um, uh, aboard the uh, space station. Uh, we need popular media to uh, inspire a new generation of engineers and scientists to make NASA's ambitious plans um, a, a reality. Uh, so, yeah, uh, along with all the other crazy shit that Tom Cruise does. Uh, apparently he's fucking literally going to space, uh, to make a, a movie, which after that, I mean, you kind of have to hang it up after that. Like you, you like, like what, what else are you going to yeah. do? That's even going to be even uh, you cl- remotely as interesting as fucking going to space. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think this might be literally the final frontier for Tom Cruise because what the fuck else are you going to do to top that shit? Not a goddamn thing. Just, after that, just hang it up. Like, you know, you've accomplished everything that you need to accomplish at that point. Like, you know, you, you made, uh, what is it, Top Gun. You did Mission Impossible shit. You, you, you are a Jack Reacher. You went to space. You know, just be done with it. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there's a lot better things that NASA could be focusing on. <laughs> and um, there's, there's obviously going to be a lot of money and resources dedicated to trying to accomplish this feat which when you look at that it's like you know that's cool right you know there there may be a movie filmed in outer space um but do i really give a shit when you look at the things <laughs> that that the, the money and those resources could be dedicated to uh no i don't uh, like that won't push me i won't run to the movie theaters to see a movie because it was like actually filmed in space no you know what was great? Ad Astra. It wasn't filmed in space, but it was about space and it looked real <laughs> enough to me. I like that shit. So at the end of the day, the product has to be good. If the movie isn't great, I don't care where it was filmed. Fucking Argentina or in space, it doesn't matter to me. It just has to be good. Yeah. Uh no, I, I think that I think that'll that'll hit a little different if you know that literally the film was, you know filmed in outer space it might hit a little different you know because just the curiosity to see like and and, and again like that's not even like to speak to like what the movie is about or whatever the case is um but to know that it was actually filmed in outer space i gotta see that like i I can't not see it you know i gotta see what that shit looks like you know what was done or you know uh uh or at least like show me the documentary about how it was made, you know, cause that's some interesting ass shit. Um, yeah, that you know, I would and, watch. And, yeah. And then to talk about Tom Cruise's crazy ass, you know, uh, of course I got to see him cutting up, you know, and doing his crazy stunts, you know, what is he going to do? Try to like fucking hop in a space suit and, you know, fucking, uh, get on the outside of the fucking, you know, space station. I don't know. That shit's going to look crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting project. It's an interesting notion. And, you know, I, the only thing that I can think that to, for this Tom Cruise, uh, that he can top this with is, is perhaps seeing what's up with the afterlife. Maybe, maybe he can do, a movie from the afterlife. Uh, that's the only thing that they I think stop, could rival this. They stop his heart for two minutes and then like they incorporate <laughs> that into film somehow. Um, yeah, you know, just, might, to, just to give us a little scope. First he, he actor to will. die and come back on like in an actual movie. Like he really died and came back in this movie. He <laughs> might have to do that next. Um, but, you know, again, I just, I just, I just look at this and I'm like, 
it just feels like a huge waste of money, time and resources. Um, in a perfect world, yeah, let's let's do it. But in a world that we live in where like education is underfunded, um, they talk about inspiring a new generation of like scientists and engineers, right? Um, that new generation, in order to become scientists and engineers, they have to go to college and take on $80,000 of student loans and then try and work to pay off those loans. So it's like, uh, maybe we just focus on a few other things first. Let's, let's, fun free education, right? Let's put those dollars actually towards educating those scientists and engineers. And then maybe when things are better, we can go to, go to outer space where we don't fucking belong anyway. Um, yeah, I just have no yeah. real, like, yeah, real you, interest in it. Yeah, you're a party boober, dude. Like, just come on. Like, enough with the let's do the right thing. Uh, fuck all that shit. Let's spend money on absurd shit that we have no business spending <laughs> money on. And let's deal with the fucking smile on our face, all right? Buy uh, more <laughs> shit you don't need. Spend more money. Fuck your savings. It's the American way. <laughs> It's the American way. Uh, <laughs> all right. With that, uh, with that speaking, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have uh, certainly come to uh, another wonderful um, uh, end to the Fade Podcast. Uh, just like every week, uh, you know, for those who are listening and are sticking with us through our technical difficulties and shit, uh, yo, we fucking appreciate you guys. We love you guys to death. Uh, and, uh, you know, express your appreciation for the podcast um, by hitting that like button, hitting that subscribe button, hitting that share button, uh, share the shit with anybody and everybody who you believe can uh, benefit from it, with it, which is pretty much everybody. Um, uh, and then uh, also we'll be back, uh, I believe we'll be back uh, probably speaking next week. Um, and, uh, yeah, with that, all that being said, uh, we'll, uh, go ahead and hit our usual fucking protocol. Fade out. Peace the fuck out, ladies and gentlemen. Stay healthy.